So good to be together once again. As I look out, I do see visitors with us, and we are so glad that you are here. Uh, Amy, we're glad you're here. Uh, we uh, are always thankful to have visitors come from week to week, and we pray that as you go through the service today, we pray that we can encourage you from God's Word, and I also pray that you make the decision to come back again, each one that is visiting today. Now today I have chosen somewhat of an odd passage or a peculiar passage to, to speak about, but today we will notice, uh, as Kirk McIntosh read our scripture, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now this is mentioned four different times in four different uh, passages or writings, epistles by Paul. And then we also find in 1 Peter it says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Now, as we think about this greeting, as we think about this passage and strive to understand how it relates to us today, I want to encourage you to, to follow along with me because it's going to take a while before we get to any conclusions. So if you would consider for just a few minutes greeting with a holy kiss. First off, I want to start by striving to understand a kiss. Understanding the kiss is, the kiss is something that has been used on many different occasions. And this morning as we, we look through the scriptures, well, within our society especially, you can understand the sensual or the romantic side of a kiss, which is very commonly understood or commonly used today. But there's a lot of other reasons, a lot of other things that have been used or a lot of other cases in which the kiss has been used. First off, if you notice in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 18, it was used as something to show homage. It was something that showed honor to that of a, a king or a god. And in this case, in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 18, we'll actually notice that it's to a false god. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 18, God says, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all those who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And it says, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So we had something that was taking place within this society where they kissed this idol, this false god. They kissed towards it to show honor, to show their desire to follow it. Now obviously that would be an improper reason. We wouldn't want to, to kiss this Baal, we wouldn't want to do something of that, that instance, but we see it is something that is used. It was also used on other occasions to show honor to a king. It's also used within family relations, within uh, Genesis chapter 27. In verse 26 and verse 27, we have Isaac who is passing on his birthright, and as you know how the story goes, you have, have Esau who was supposed to receive the birthright, and his brother comes in and and he receives the birthright. But in Genesis chapter 27, verse 26 and 27, uh, Isaac tells what he thought was Esau. He said, come near to me and kiss me. So he came near and Isaac, or sorry, Isaac was able to smell of his clothes. And so he understood at that time that that kiss came from his son Esau. Now, once again, even though we, this is within the family relation, we see that it was kind of a kiss of deceit. Uh, the kiss was used to deceive the father. Now, also, a kisses have been used to reunite. 
I know many people today that, that might kiss family members when they reunite. As they come back together, it's been a long time. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 20, I think of the prodigal son. And as the father sees the prodigal son, he sees him a long ways off. He runs to him and he grabs him. And it says he fell on his neck and he kissed him. Because he loved his son. He was glad that he was home. It was used on the occasion of departure. If you look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 14, you can see there that Orpah, as, as Ruth is, is telling, or as we look at the passage in Ruth, we see that uh, Orpah looks to her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law is telling her, hey, you need to, you need to go on. You've got to, to find something in life. And Ruth clings to her and doesn't want to leave. But Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, uh, is prepared to leave and so she kisses her mother-in-law at the departure. So we see it's something of departure, it's something of reuniting, it's something to show honor, but also on a worse occasion in Matthew chapter 26. We find the hour has almost come in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 48. We see that that Jesus there is fixing to be betrayed and he's actually betrayed in this passage. In verse 48 it says, his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Seize him. Take him immediately. He went up to Jesus and said, greetings rabbi, and he kissed him. And then we know that from this point on we understand what transpires within Christ's life. But as you notice... In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 48 and 49, we see that the kiss is a kiss of betrayal. As we understand or strive to understand a, a kiss, I want you to understand also the bond of Christians. To understand that as you look around and you see brothers and sisters in Christ, understand that there is a special bond. I know oftentimes there's a family relationship where family members kiss one another as they meet or as they are reunited or as they prepare to depart for a long time. And understanding within the greetings on each occasion, we understand that they had a special bond, that a special relationship because this was family. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 it says, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now understanding in their society, understanding through their mindset, they've got these people that are learning about Christ and, and they say, I want to follow God. And their father and mother say, you better not. If you follow God, you won't be a part of my household. Or it could be that another family member says, how dare you look to the God of heaven? But the idea being in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, it's not worth giving up on God to prepare, to, to cultivate, to keep that relationship, that bond within the family. Within understanding the, the design to follow Christ, we have to be willing to forsake everything. And within that, it includes the leaving behind a family. If they don't want you to love God, God is more important than any earthly family. 
physically relationship physical relation, physically related family members. So in understanding in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 and looking through it through the looking at it through the eyes of the first century Christians, we can understand that there was something serious about leaving family behind. There were people that were completely discommunicated from their family. They didn't want to associate with them anymore. And in understanding that, also understand in 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 6 In verse 16 and following, God says, I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. As you look at the the family relationship, God says you can be a part of my family. We've got these people that are forsaken by their family, that have been forgotten by their family, that have been excommunicated. They don't want any part of them. And now God says, you're a part of my family. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Now notice in verse 5, he says, That we might receive the adoption of sons. That's how we got into that special family. We were adopted into the family. Now as we come together on each Lord's Day, and we come together on Wednesday, and on... Tuesdays or whatever occasion we might have. It might be something goes on during the weekend and as members of the church, as we come together, we need to understand that there is purpose within us coming together. As we're talking about greeting one another with a holy kiss, understand that there is a special bond and there is a special purpose behind us coming together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, it's talking about the church coming together there and for what purpose. And as it gets down to the very end of the verse, in verse 26 it says, Let all things be done for edification. Meaning when you come together, come together to better one another. To edify, to encourage, to build up, to strengthen one another. Now, in understanding the greetings, he says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. We understand that there are today, there are families that come together and and they would greet one another with a kiss. Understand that there's a special bond within Christians because Christians are truly family. Now as we get into it a little bit further, let's talk about teachings on greetings. As you talk about the teachings on greetings, understand there's a necessity of greeting one another. I'm afraid that oftentimes we've we've taken this passage where it says, greet one another with the holy kiss, and we're like, whew, that kiss doesn't seem right in my society, and it doesn't seem normal in my society. And so therefore, we discredit the entire verse. And we say, when we come together, we get to a point where we don't even greet one another. And as we think about the teachings on greetings, I want you to understand that there is a necessity for greeting one another. There's a necessity for us to encourage, to edify, to build up one another. Knowing in John chapter 13 and verse 35 that Jesus talks about his disciples and he says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Within our coming together, we have the opportunity to strengthen and to love one another. We have the ability to encourage one another. And you know, it could be that there's people that 
aren't members of the church. And once again, you have the opportunity for people to see that love. Not only do we see the Christians have the responsibility to love, but they also have the Christians have the responsibility to forgive. As the, as the congregation grows, as we get larger, I understand that there's more people. And when you have more people, you have more personalities. And the problem with personalities is you have different personalities that don't get along with other personalities. And I want you to understand as he says, greet one another with a holy kiss, I think it's very important that we understand that there's no grudge against another. The facts are, if you got 10 people, you got 10 different ideas, you got 10 different personalities. But within being a Christian, we also have 10 more people to love. Uh, the idea being that we need to strengthen our relationship and offer our greeting as often as possible. Christians have the responsibility to forgive. Sometimes it seems as though Christians can get to where they have a problem with another and where, where feelings are hurt. And when he says greet one another, I don't think he's excluding those to where they said, well, the problem is I just don't feel comfortable with them anymore. Within the greet one another, it includes all. The idea is to be open to all members within the congregation. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, it talks about the problems amongst Christians, amongst them, and it says, Moreover, brethren, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you gained your brother. And we see the relationship built back. You can go back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Right there as Jesus talks, we find ourselves in the midst of the, of the Lord's prayer when Jesus taught them to pray. In verse 14, just at the very end, he says, If you forgive men their trespasses, he will also, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. See, we find something important in that of forgiveness. We find something important of building that relationship within Christians. As we think about our teachings on greetings, I want you to understand that there is a necessity. There is a, a purpose and there is a need for Christians to greet one another. Now, as we notice that, let's also look at some difficulties. Because, you know, we find ourselves in Romans chapter 16 and verse 16. We see in Romans 16, 16, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Well, you know, in that same book, in Romans chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, he was talking about problems among them because they weren't necessarily united among everything. And he says, look, you that are strong ought to bear the infirmities or the, the scruples. Deal with the scruples of the weak. He said, not to please ourselves. Let each please his neighbor for his good. And then it says, leading to edification. The idea is even... Those at Rome had problems with some of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They had differences of opinion and different ideas. And then you get to Romans chapter 16 and verse 16. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't believe that the design was greet one another with a holy kiss unless you have a problem with them that I was talking about in Romans chapter 15. I think the design is to better that relationship to build upon that bond within the Christian family. We see in verse 7 of Romans chapter 15, it says, Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Once again, the building of the relationship. 
The same thing takes place in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, All the brethren greet you, greet one another with the holy kiss. You go back earlier in the book and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 10, it says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same things, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And then he says in verse 11, he says, For it has been declared or it's been made known to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Within the Christians, there were problems. And that brings us to the end in 1 Corinthians 16, 20, and he says, greet one another except for those that you have a contention with. I don't think that's the case. I think the design is that you greet each one. You greet the congregation. You greet the people as you come together because we're here to edify and build up one another. All right, as we come down to the, come down to the last point, I want you to understand an upright and enduring action. Within the passage, within the phrase, it says, greet one another. We see that we've got to show our love to these people. And it says, with a holy kiss. Now, I want you to understand, first off, that the word holy there implies something special. It's an upright, upstanding, enduring, important thing. You know, within today's society, there's some families that I know that when they come together or when they depart, they might offer a kiss. It could be that there's, very, there's a few friends, I wouldn't say that it's by and large the norm, but there are some friends that when they come together, they might, might give each other a kiss on a cheek or something. But within our society, I would say there's very few friends that you find that, that kiss every time they come together. There's very few officials or citizens that, that we see just as they come together. We don't see it as a common practice. As you look at those that are unfamiliar, we don't have people that you go up to that you don't know and you're like, oh, hey, and you kiss them. It's just not part of our society. In fact, within our society, it's a lot of times that, that kiss is taken as a romantic advance. It's like, okay, that was awkward. Why did they just do that to me? I think about my life, and in my life, there are very few people that I kiss. One would be Charlie and one would be my wife. Outside of that, I'm pretty much a receiver and that's it. It could be, it could be as you think about the holy kiss, I have no doubt that most everyone here knows Doris Green and if you know her very well, chances are she's given you a holy kiss. The idea of being within our society, I think it can be very awkward when you see this kiss takes place that it's not, not normal. In fact, it's like bursting my bubble. It's like my space here and your space out there. You might understand. You might be very similar. And as you think about, as you think about the greeting within the Eastern world, it was like commonplace when they came together that they would kiss. They would kiss once on the cheek or once on this cheek and once on this cheek. I've had uh, some of our friends, some of the youth group members, uh, I, know, I know Lauren and Tana have told us about going abroad and Harley's told us about going abroad. And some of those Eastern world countries, still today, you go up and it's like, oh, hey, uh, within our society, I would not say that is commonplace. Now, in understanding... There can be a case in which a kiss would be unholy and therefore absolutely 
wrong. It could be that within our society as a whole, it is not common, and therefore it just turns into something awkward. I believe the problem being not that we look at the passage and we say, well, we don't kiss like that in America, so I'm through. I don't think that's where the problem is. I think the problem is because we don't kiss in America, we got to where we said, forget the whole passage. We've gotten to where we don't greet necessarily. I would encourage you, as you think about an upright and a holy action, Think about that holy greeting. Think about something that you can do as a holy greeting. For instance, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 14, it said, with a kiss of love to show love to your brother and sister. Now, I tell you that I'm not a kisser, but I am a hugger. I love to hug. There's lots of people that I hug, and I've probably hugged you. Uh, as you think about hugging or you think about shaking hands, it can be a holy greeting. I haven't seen Gene Higdon here today, but if you know Gene Higdon, there's a good chance that you've got a holy thumbprint because he likes to share a thumb shake. I would encourage you, as you think about, come together and greet one another with a holy kiss. Make sure that you come together and greet one another with a holy greeting. What I mean is don't forget the passage just because the kiss is foreign to our society and foreign to our, our way of life, but rather make sure that you ensure you show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ because it could be this is the only family that they have helping them go to heaven. It could be you're part of the only family that is encouraging them as they look to go to eternity. As you think about upright and enduring actions, understand that all actions of a Christian need to be proper, need to be holy. In fact, we're called for a greater purpose. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, talking about God. It says, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and in to his marvelous light. What a great blessing it is to be called out of what we were in to be something much greater. And now we're to be that holy nation where people look to us and they recognize the love within a Christian, the, the purity of a Christian, the, the goodness of a Christian. And they say, I want to follow what they follow. And hence, more people find the Lord. As you look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, it says... Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. We have a, a quotation of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 there, where, where we see the same thing stated. Be holy, for I am holy. Within being a Christian, the idea is to be a follower of God. As God is holy, God commands us to strive to be the same. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 14, I mentioned earlier, it says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. I believe within our, within our greetings, we need to greet one another and we need to let each other know that we love one another. I encourage you, as, as we close services down in a little bit, little bit, I want you to understand that we have an opportunity to greet one another. 
And it's your lucky day because we usually get out of here earlier than everyone else and you can still beat them to the restaurant. You can hang out for 10 extra minutes and greet your brothers and sisters in Christ and you'll still be the first ones to eat. I want to encourage you, as the congregation grows, I want you to understand that greetings are important. If you don't let your brothers and sisters in Christ have the encouragement that they need to make it through the week when you come together, where do you think they're going to get it? They're going to get it from a world that tries to tear them down, that encourages them that they do not need to meet with the brethren, that they do not need to meet with the saints, that they don't need to be a holy people, that they aren't a special person for God. I encourage you, as you think about the time that we have together, come just a hair early and encourage the people around you. When services are over, I encourage you, hang out just a little bit late and encourage the people around you. I encourage you when you stand up, if you see someone you don't know, make it a point to meet them. Make it a point to encourage them and edify your brothers and sisters. You know, back in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 14 and multiple times throughout the, throughout the lesson, you might have noticed that the word edify came up in different passages. The idea is that we are here for each other. And if we don't encourage one another, no one else will. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, Others can see God through your holy actions. It says, pursue peace with all people. Listen, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Okay, pursue peace and holiness, and then it says at the very end, it says, without which no one will see the Lord. The idea is, if we're not being what we ought to be, how are people going to come to know the Lord? If you haven't given your life to Christ, I want to tell you, it's very simple. Within Christ's willingness to go to the cross, within his willingness to die, and then we see that he was raised up on the cross, and as he died upon the cross, he was taken down, and he was, he was laid in the tomb. But it didn't stop there because the Lord rose again. Following after that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, they had, in Acts chapter 2 actually, they had pointed to, look, everything points to this was the Christ, and you need to change. So you get down to verse 38, after they were asking what to do, he said, repent meaning turn from the world and be baptized, being immersed into the water so that your sins can be forgiven, remitted. It says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins later in the verse. If you haven't given your, li your life to Christ, I encourage you, make a change. And as members of the Lord's church, I encourage you, greet one another with a holy greeting. If you haven't given your life to Christ, make the change right now. Come as we stand and sing.